You're listening to episode number four in the first season. Season one, The Male Identity Project, episode four, is all around the uncontrolling anger. If that sounds tricky to you, it is. It was meant there for that. But what we're going to get into is all around anger and how we can start to unpack anger a little bit, figure out what anger is, where it stems from, and then also cover simple ways that you can start to apply this in your own life. So stay tuned. Every day, the world tolerates less and less of traditional masculine behavior, which has driven a new standard for men to be successful. How does one evolve so that they can win in today's world? Enter Man of Class, a place to empower men to break down traditional masculinity and build the necessary skill sets, mindset, and confidence to become the men that society desperately needs. Welcome, and I hope you enjoy. All right, guys, welcome back. This episode, Uncontrolling Anger. Anger is such a interesting emotion that uh, I feel like runs rampant in a lot of guys. And oftentimes we may or may not actually know what causes it, where it comes from. All we know is all of a sudden we find ourselves muscles tightened, rage, we can feel the blood pumping through our veins and you just are in this state of like extreme anger. Um, and it's, it's only then when oftentimes we look back and go like, this doesn't feel right. (laughs) Maybe there has to be something different. There has to be a different approach or something. And, but if we, that's exactly what we're going to get into today, because if you found yourself much like myself, you get into these angry situations you don't want to be angry. You don't identify with being an angry person. Nobody wants to be an angry, identified as an angry person. But we all have things that are triggers or uh, poke us or tap us or whatever that it is that tends to put us into like a spiral, a spiral down into um, these angry episodes. And there's a lot of advice out there. Well, you just need to exert energy or you just need to, to go run it off. And, and I took that medic medicine for a long time. I would run out my anger. I would lift out my anger and I can tell you I got in great shape with it, but that worked in the short term, but it never really addressed the long-term things, which is whatever was really upsetting me. And it was great that I got in great shape. I mean, it, anger can be used and it was only going through all of this that I could retrospectively go back and say, wait a second, anger can actually be a great motivator. Anger used in the right time at the right place controlled can really bring a lot of motivation. Uh, But it's, it's the, (laughs) that's the great way of looking at it. But some of the times when we're in it, we don't really look at it that way. We just are kind of unhinged at that point and just sort of a, a bull running free that you can't really figure out where it's coming from. Or you have a lot of, that may be an expressive way of anger. Another way of anger is passive aggressiveness where you don't want to make a scene. Something really bothers you and you're not going to say it verbally, right? You're not going to be expressively anger, but introspectively inside, you're going to be boiling with, with anger and it'll come out in like little shivs with people. 
you'll make little sly comments or you'll say things to try to be, you know, politically correct in the way that you try to say something. But in reality, it's really making you mad. It's really pissing you off. There's a lot of anger there. And that's a lot of what we're going to get into today. So let's just jump right in. What is anger? Anger, a lot of times, is an emotional or like a physical pain that we cannot control. And it's interesting because I, I did a lot of reading and research on anger because, again, I had times in my life where I was really angry. And it may not come across now. Everyone looks now and says, oh, I can't believe that that, that could be true. But everyone has anger. Frankly, it's the human experience. Anger is an emotion, whether you choose to accept that or not is is wherever you're at. But everyone has anger. Everyone has something that really pisses them off, something that triggers them, something that really boils them up. It may come out very differently for people. You may not be flipping tables. You may not be throwing stuff against the wall. You may not be breaking China, but your China in like the plates, China, not like the whole like China is the place. Um, but you're, you may not ex experience that. It may be that passive aggressiveness. There's a lot of people who experience anger in passive aggressive natures and it comes out and people will try to lie to themselves. They'll try to rationalize and say, Oh no, no, I'm not angry. I mean, it makes me feel a little uncomfortable if I go do something like this. Um, but it's not, it's lies. It's the lies that we're telling ourselves. And first and foremost, just be honest with yourself. Something pisses you off, something frustrates you, own it. Because it's only through owning it first is how you're ever going to get past it. And chances are, if if you're listening to this and, and are intrigued by this, there's something in your life that is causing you anger. And if left done nothing, right, if you don't do anything, you walk away from this, you're going to continue to go out your life and you're still going to have those moments. And I'd ask how well is what you're doing working for you? And if it's working out great and you couldn't be happier, then great. Like we'll catch up in another episode. But if there's something in you, there's still anger. There's still passive aggressiveness. There's still frustrations that are coming out. Then let's get into it a little deeper. An interesting explanation of anger, because it is all around the control. And it's very interesting because control is somewhat around centered around the ego because the ego wants us to be right. That's the little thing in us that just wants us to be right. It wants us to be heard. It wants us to be when everyone says, Oh, see, he told us it's that little piece in us that is searching for some type of a validation. The downside is that no validation would ever be a good enough for the ego. That's the trickery. That's the trick or the slippery slope, rather. No amount of validation is ever going to be enough for the ego. Because the ego just wants to be right all the time. Well, you're not right all the time. There's so much gray in the world that you, you may be right in one situation, but that doesn't mean that you're right all the time. You may be right in, in what's right to you but it may not be what's right for everyone else. And so it's that ego of trying to be right, which then gets back into the control. I need to try to control the situations. And when I can't, when something happens that I could not control, or maybe I could control, but I didn't control, 
Now I'm going to get angry. Now I'm going to get upset. And that could be emotionally. That could be physically. That could be anything, frankly. That could be something that your kids do. You know, your kids break something that had a lot of value to you. You take it personally. You try to control the situation. Oh, see, you know, you, you, you know, you broke, you, you did exactly what I told you you were going to do. You're going to break my stuff. Validation. I had to be right. Um, try to tell your wife to, to do something a certain way, or she asked for help and you try to tell her and she said, no, 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 I think I'm going to go do it this way. You can't control the situation. She goes and does something. And then all of a sudden now you're left when something happens, you come back and say, see, I was right. See, I was right. I was right. That's the ego talking. That's not you. That's the ego talking. And it's only through that ego that it's, it's the cup that has a hole in the bottom. You can never fill it up. You'll constantly be pouring water into it, but the cup will never be full. It'll always drain out the bottom. And angry, anger in general is such a toxic, it can be toxic. I'll, I'll get into a little bit of the physiology. So, so anger by itself is, it releases hormones. We feel that emotion. Everything is around the thought, feeling, action. There's some thought, you have some feeling, and then some action happens. During that thought, then the emotion of anger comes out. That anger actually triggers cortisol and adrenaline to hormones flowing through your body. Now, cortisol can be, you know, they, they've linked it up where they said all of a sudden, you know, your, your reaction time gets better and uh, you, you get really focused and, and, and there's some, some things that kind of happen. It's that fight or flight response. It goes all the way back to, to fighting bears or fighting wolves. So it will be all well and great. However, when that happens, when the body switches that switch, flips the switch over to getting the cortisol and adrenaline pumping, it stops actually producing some other things for your body. And that cortisol and adrenaline actually starts to slowly kill the cells because in, in some way it's a poison. It, it can have enhancer effects where it, it gives you, you know, I always use the adage of, of moms where their kid is pinned and all of a sudden they have superhuman strength and they'll lift up a car. They'd under normal circumstances never be able to lift up the car. But in those times of, of massive stress, they're able to do the impossible. And it can provide a lot of great short-term benefits. However, long-term, it takes its toll on the body. That cortisol and adrenaline can really drain people. Oftentimes, it drains people of their immune system and their ability to fight, you know, the common cold. And then they find themselves getting their higher susceptibilities of getting sick as well as aging and everything else, because the body's not repairing the, the cells. It's, it's trying to pump enough hormones through your system in order to keep you fighting to be alive because it perceives it as like a life or death situation. And so angry in a way long-term doesn't have very great effects because it's just aging you. It's, it's, it's fast forwarding. It's almost like um, that Limitless movie. I, th I think it's called Limitless, Limitless with Bradley Cooper where he had this pill and he took this pill and it, it pretty much made him limitless. There was no limits on what he could do. Well, he took it and all of a sudden it was, it was great and wonderful. He could solve, you know, he was solving stock markets. He was, 
seeing stuff well before it was playing out and he was able to to really make a lot of money and be really successful really quickly however he noticed that all of a sudden when he stopped taking them it took a massive toll on his body and sim and i can't remember one of the girls that maybe it was like an old girlfriend or something like that came in back and was like hey like you need to stop this stuff because it it takes more than what you think it does like it props you up on false pedestal where you think that you're doing great and wonderful. And then all of a sudden when it comes away, it's, it's actually pulling more life out of you. And in some ways I think anger does that effect. It can be great for short terms because you can lift more than you can ever lift. Maybe you get really laser focused. Maybe you're a great motivator at that point, but long-term it just takes that big toll. And oftentimes the, the varying levels of anger, Anger can actually make smart, intelligent people do stupid things. How often do we see somebody where, or we hear stories from our friends where, where they do something and you're like, that was so stupid. And you're like, I know it was stupid. Like the rational side of me right now says that was the stupidest thing ever. But yet I did it. And I did it because I was in a sense of anger. You know, I was so angry that I decided to punch somebody in the face start a brawl didn't work through all the situations of maybe I shouldn't have thrown that punch or maybe I shouldn't have said that thing to my boss or maybe I shouldn't have said that thing to an investor or maybe I shouldn't have said that thing to my family my wife my partner whatever my kids and angry a lot of times just takes us down an alternate reality in a sense, because then we start saying things and we start doing things that we wouldn't have normally done. And then it's a massive destruction, nuclear bomb drops, and then you got to go back and clean up the mess. And so again, anger can have a big, it can mess with people. It can really F people up because they get in these, these states and then they can't control them. So it's like a Hulk. All of a sudden they lose control and they don't remember anything that happened when they come to. That's a scary place to be. And and again, it, it all stems from this ego, very ego-centered of trying to be right all the time. And in some ways we say, okay, if we're right, then that means that I must be intelligent. And then that means that that gives me confidence or self-esteem. And that's not necessarily, again, it's one of those cups that you'll never fill up. You, you either choose that you have self-esteem or you choose that you're a confident person or you're not. But something, you know, it's it's the be, do, have model versus have, do, be. It's not once you're right, then you become confident or have self-esteem. You, have, you are confident or you have self-esteem. You make that choice up front and then the actions come out of it. No amount of being right is ever going to feed the ego well enough that you're ever going to feel like it's enough. And so that's why a lot of times smart people have the hardest time with this, by the way, because smart people maybe early on in their life was told that they weren't very smart or that they wouldn't amount to anything. So then it was a proving point. Now I have to go read all these books. Now I have to be smart. Now I have to go and be better than everybody else because I need to prove something to somebody. Versus proving it to yourself by just saying, you know, I, this is who I choose to be. I don't, I, whether I was slow in school, whether school wasn't my thing, whether I was labeled ADD or ADHD, or I had a learning disable, or I couldn't read, or I was dyslexic or whatever that it was, 
you made something of yourself. Now, again, that anger right in the short term and motivated you to go read all those books and to go do all that stuff. But long term, it ends with smartest person in the room syndrome. You feel like you have to be the smartest person in the room constantly. You need to tell everybody what the plan is and you need to tell everybody in different ways how smart you are. And whether you, you know, you don't have to say, hey, I'm the smartest person in the room, but it's, it's your actions. Your actions are the ones that really comes through. I'm going to manipulate the situation. I'm going to be strategic and be sly and be sneaky in order to basically prove to everyone that I'm the smartest person in the room. Frankly, people can see through that. You're not fooling anybody. But it's, it again goes back to that ego of wanting to be right all the time, over and over and over and over again. And I'm here to tell you that there's, there's a different way. And I say there's a different way because A, I've lived it myself. B, I've seen others live it and have seen turnaround stories. And so hopefully if this is something that is resonating with you or something that you'd think that could help you, then, then you, then, you know, you, you'll kind of get some more clarity from it because I see too many people that, that go down that path. And I, and I can say this firsthand for myself, but I can also see it in others is you go down and you keep trying to prove something to somebody all the time. And in reality, it doesn't matter. You'll never get that. You, your, your brain will play tricks on you to say, well, if I do this and I do this and I do this, then that person's finally going to say that I was right. Or that person's finally going to say I'm intelligent. And that person's finally going to tell me, you know, whatever that it is, or they're finally going to respect me. And other people's respect is important. Why? And I would ask that. It's a very tricky slope because oftentimes, again, we look at it and we say the outside world is if I'm respected by somebody else, then maybe I can accept that I'm then I can respect myself versus, again, flipping the script, say I'm going to respect myself first. And regardless of whether or not somebody does or doesn't respect me, doesn't frankly matter because I there's nothing that you can say that can hurt me. Because I'm so confident in my own self, because I filled my own cup up first. And we do this because, you know, respect, because it's, we feel that we need. And need is a very tricky thing because need, to need is to fear, because there's a slight implicit, it's like it implies that there's a lack that exists, that's preventing something to take place. And so it's, it's that sense of need that you'll always be in need. If you feel like you need something, you will always be in need because you're always going to be in that state. It's that again, need and ego kind of have that same tricky thing where it's a cup that will never get filled up because you're constantly in need because you sense that there's a lack, there's something lacking there. When you just patch it, then you don't have to worry about it anymore because you patch that hole. Then you can fill up whatever you need to fill up. And so it's only through that clarity of understanding of what that really means that then you can be able to start to move forward. Somebody once told me wisdom is a function of both intellectual and emotional clarity. 
And I thought that was really profound because it's, it's only through both where you can get true wisdom. You know, people always think somebody who's wise is somebody who's old sitting on a rock and, and spouting off random isms or something, or like random phrases, but never diminish not only the intellectual, but the emotional piece, because although you can be super smart, there's the whole, the smartest people still have to go to bed at night and they still have to deal with their emotions. We're no, you know, go Star Trek reference. We're, we're not Vulcans. Nobody on this planet, no matter how hard they try, no, no matter how hard the Stoic tries to be to exhibit Stoicism, it never works because that just means that you're slowly dying on the inside because emotions are the human experience. Meaning to feel happy, to feel joy, like you can't cut out all emotions and you, and you can, you can certainly go and try and, and people do so. But it usually when they, when they lay their head down at night, usually is met with a lot of loneliness, a lot of sadness, a lot of depression. And it's, and it's only through that where some pain gets to be so strong that it causes a spark, a spark of change that says, I, I can't do this anymore. feels like a thousand pounds weighing on me because I'm trying to, to be a certain way or to play a certain way or to, to exhibit a certain way. And it all falls apart. And again, you're trying to do it for maybe others to be strong for others. Leaders oftentimes try to do this and it doesn't necessarily work out because again, long-term it goes down and there's usually an anger that's associated with it. Maybe a passive aggressive anger, maybe trying to hide what the anger really is and blow some steam off in some other ways. But if you never address the root cause of that problem or root cause of what that anger stems from, then you're just going to be living groundhog day over and over again. I get angry. It's taking its toll on my body. And then I'm just going to run it out and, and work out or whatever else. And it's great because you're going to get in great shape. Kudos. You're going to kill it. You're going to crush it. It'd be shredded. But then you still have to live with yourself laying your head down at night. And I always say, you know, laying your head down at night, because oftentimes that's when we have time for that five, 10 minutes or, or 15 before we pass out where we're alone. It's quiet. We're left with our own thoughts, true isolation. You, you, you know, that's, that's no different than if you just had a windshield time driving somewhere, you're, you're by yourself. You have the reflection of your thoughts. It's living with your thoughts, living and allowing that internal dialogue to take place is what I mean. Like when you, when you lay your head down at night, you, you're still living with that. But when you, when you do that, you have to make the choice of, am I going to allow anger to be a part of me? Or do I want to turn over a new leaf or do I want to maybe start something different and starting something different is wonderful because you can do it any single day. It's hard to change. I've covered that in other podcast episodes where there's 60 to 80,000 thoughts in a day and 90% of those are the same as before. But by no means when you have that emotion, when you're so fed up and you make a decision, you'll, you'll have enough oomph behind you to actually start making those decisions, to start living that best life, to start living a life that maybe humor can start coming out or happiness can start coming out or joy can start coming out and you start allowing that stuff to, to, to live through you. And so a couple tactical pieces 
of this because oftentimes people say, yeah, yeah, that's great. That's great. Yes. Anger, you know, anger sucks. Sure. All that stuff. Great. I don't want to be right all the time, even though you do want to be right. Um, but how, how can I stop it? How do I stop it in the moment? And an interesting way of stopping anger dead in its tracks is a kind of gets to the, the conundrum of the title of the episode, uncontrolling anger, <laughs> because control the more you try to control something, the more something won't go right, the more anger that comes from it. And so by no means am I saying just like, just throw control right out the window and don't try to have any control over life and just live freely like a, like a feather in the wind. But, but notice the areas of your life where maybe you're trying to over control a situation. And oftentimes we try to control situations or even people where we want them to do a certain thing or we want them to say a certain thing. And it goes against their free will, frankly. Like you can recommend and you can hope and you can wish that they're going to go do something. But if you try to control that other individual, that means that they're going to be living their life not in integrity. And it's only going to be a certain amount of time before they themselves go through this whole angry piece of it and they pop or they snap or they do something. And then they come to a similar realization where they drift away or they, they move away, isolate you, whatever that it is. And so in some ways, look at how much control you're trying to have on the situation. And again, guys are very logical beings. And so that logic is, well, it, there's a right, wrong, there's a right answer, there's a wrong answer, there's a left and there's a right, there's a black and there's a white, and there's a very crystal clear decision that needs to be made. From your perspective, from your perspective, there's a very clear right, and right way, wrong way. But if you flip the script, right, it's like two people looking down, one person sees number six, one person sees number nine. You can yell at each other until you're blue in the face that one sees a nine, one sees a six. It's not until you step back and go, yeah, they're both right. They both see, they are both right in their perspectives. And so some of it, there's, there's two things. One of them is how much control are you trying to put in the situation? The second one is coming from a place of curiosity. Too often when we get into verbal you know, disagreements or, or debates is because we see everything through our lens of what it is that we do, what we think is right. And then we try to put that same lens. We try to force our glasses on somebody else. No, you know, you're going to see it this way. I'm going to rub your nose in. I'm going to, I'm going to do this until you're blue. And you know, you have to see it this way. No, you don't. You really don't. You don't have to do anything. You're always a free will. You're always a free choice. So honor people, like have some respect for other people. It's, it's, it's hard enough. If you're trying to respect, gain the respect of others, try respecting others first. And when you do that, when you start to come from a place of curiosity of what is it, you know, what is it that you're looking for in this? What is, what do you, what are you trying to get from this? What really is your point? Because half the time arguments go off the rails and then you start bickering and it's not until some th random third person comes in and goes, what the hell are you guys even talking about? That you just, that you break that cycle and you go, I have not a clue. We're fighting and spending all this energy over something that I have not even a clue what it was to begin with. I don't even know how we got here. And so an easy way, two easy things is one, how much control are you trying to put in the situation? 
And that control, when it's not going your way, is going to lead to anger. And that anger can then leads to cortisol and adrenaline, which then leads to the cell disintegrate or um, being destroyed in the body and your your immune system drops, then you're going to get sick. So again, frankly, a lot of times it's perspective. And so think of when you're starting to get angry and when you're getting into this, is this worth you being sick? Is this, is this the hill that you really want to die on? And it may, you may, you may well have situations where you say, no, Eric, like this is the hill. This is what I, this is a foundation. This is my identity. And that's fine, right? You, you got to be purposeful and, and aware of what identity that you're going to pull from it, but also be aware that, that there's going to be a lot of other times where you go, is it really even worth it? <laughs> or am I just making a stand and, and touting and, and spending all this energy for what? For nothing. I don't care. I really don't care about the situation, right? I don't really care whether Trump is right or wrong. I don't care because I may think he's right and you may think he's wrong, or I may think he's wrong and you may think he's right. And we're going to argue until we're blue in the face. Frankly, you're going to have your opinion and I'm going to have my opinion. No amount of, of agreement or no amount of, of arguing is ever going to, to seek resolve. Again, we, we hope our, our idealized situation is that you're, that you, one of us is going to concede and say, you were so right. Thank you for, for showing this. So again, how much control are you trying to put on the situation? And the other one is just be, be curious, look for a different perspective right now. You know, you, it's a boring, it's a boring ass life to go through. If all you're going to do is look from situation to situation to situation, only looking at your own perspective because you're, you're always going to look at it through that lens, but you can gain so much more perspective and have so much more growth and growth is progress. And by the way, progress is happiness. And so you can get so much happiness from just seeking other people's point of views. Oh, I never thought about that. Tell, tell me why you think this about the coronavirus, right? Tell me why you think this. Okay, that's an interesting point. What about that? Let's go deeper and just come from a place of being curious. It's not going to hurt anything. Frankly, you being curious doesn't concede one person's right or wrong or, or whatever. All you are is just being curious. You Curious is like neutral ground. You're not taking a position one way or the other. And it's very interesting because people are, they get into these spots where they, they think that I have to take a stand because if I don't stand for something that I stand for nothing. And I think there's some truth in that, but I also think that there's, you got to know what your hill is, which then goes back to your identity. What is it that your identity what is it that you're really trying to get from this instance? And, and how is this position or this argument or this instance either complimenting, complimenting or disgracing your identity? Because again, it may be in the road and that person, the other person that you're trying to be in agreement with or trying to get them to go do something, they, they may value that strongly in their identity. And all you're doing is just making both parties more angry and killing both people. You're slowly killing each other. So with that, I might as well just wrap up here. But the, the things I wanted to, to make sure we get across is anger. Everyone experienced anger. It can come out in, in so many different ways, uh, whether it's, it's 
throwing tables, flipping chairs, burning down buildings, or whether it's just that passive aggressive nature where you just start to get that anger inside, but you try to remain calm and cool on the outside. It has the same effect regardless of whether one way or the other. And the ways to combat it, like we talked about, were coming from a place of curiosity, truly genuinely trying to seek the other person's perspective, as well as looking at ways where you don't have to have control. How much control are you trying to put in the situation versus how much do you really need to have in that? So with that, I'll end here. Take care, be safe, be happy, be healthy. Make sure to take a screenshot of this on Instagram or Facebook or wherever you're listening to it. Tag me at Eric Yusko or at Man of Class. And until next time, be great.